Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Doug wanted to make love to the win against the Toronto Raptors. They come so close to beating the Milwaukee Bucks, but have shown a lot of defensive improvement. Doug doesn't like the Dwayne Bacon bobblehead and this. We got to be, we got to wash our hands. We got to cook our food. And if our bobbleheads are going to feature a food, the food needs to be cooked. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. The real question I want to start off today with is, Doug, since you are back, the real question I want to ask you on this Monday, following a weekend of great Hornets basketball with a win against the Toronto Raptors and a really good hard fought close to win, but not really still is inevitably a loss A game like that against the bucks. Are we going to make the playoffs Doug after this weekend? Cause I'm feeling good about this Hornets team. Well, no, absolutely not. The Charlotte Hornets are not going to make the playoffs. They are not in danger of making the playoffs. They are playing hard right now, but they are not playing playoff basketball. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. And first of all, I just want to say this. If that was the real question, what was the fake question? Uh, The fake question, I don't have one. I don't have a fake question. That was the real one. (laughs) That was the real question that I had for you. You just started off, this is the real question. Well, what's the other question? That was the serious one. That was a serious question for you. Maybe they're not going to make the playoffs, but certainly you feel really good about the Hornets team and the way that they performed this weekend. It saw a win on Friday against the Toronto Raptors, 99 to 96. And then yesterday in the matinee, they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, 93 to 85. Yet still, two defensive performances that held two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference below 100 points. I believe it was a streak of 83 games scoring 100 points that was snapped uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks playing the Charlotte Hornets yesterday. So defensively, Doug, I think that seems to be the big takeaway if you look at look at it from a team standpoint. We can get into some of the individual performances of this past weekend later, but James Borrego praised the defense as much as anything in the post-game press conference following the Milwaukee Bucks game. And you look at what they did. Again, Giannis Antetokounmpo goes for 41, looks ridiculous. Everybody's having fun blaming James Harden. Giannis has been doing this all season, but now there might be a little extra umph to Giannis because he wants to show the world that he's not just seven feet uh, of freak athleticism that can dunk on you. He's not just that, but he's also got some skill to his game. Really, Doug, you look at Giannis, it was 41 for him and everybody else, bad offensive night. Brooke Lopez goes four of 11. Matthews, Wesley Matthews goes three of 11. You had George Hill off the bench go four of 11. There's really nobody else that kills you offensively. Brooke went to the free throw line quite a bit, but as far as what they did in real playing time and actually playing basketball, right? Giannis was the one that beat you and everybody else, the Hornets held in check. Uh, yeah, I love this Bucks game, but can we make love to this Raptors game for just a second? Because I don't want to—I don't want to gloss over the fact that the Charlotte Hornets were able to take down the defending champion Toronto Raptors, and it gives me a brief opportunity to mention that I had the Toronto Raptors at the very beginning of the season as a possible Eastern Conference contender, and everyone laughed at me because they said, "Doug, they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore. It's going to eviscerate their chances in the Eastern Conference." And I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You are underselling the abilities of Kyle Lowry." 
and Pascal Siakam to dominate the Eastern Conference. They haven't necessarily dominated, but they have played well, and the Charlotte Hornets were able to take them down. And, and they did it in a similar way that allowed them to compete with the Milwaukee Bucks, which is they just tried hard. And I know that seems like a simple piece of analysis, but it's all over this box score. It's the fact that they held Toronto to seven second chance points despite giving up 14 offensive rebounds. It's in the three point uh, percentage for the Toronto Raptors sitting at 23.3%. You've got guys all over the floor, Miles Bridges, the Martin twins, everyone recovering back to three point shooters. You hold Norman Powell to four of 11. You hold Kyle Lowry to three of 12. Not a single Toronto Raptors bench player had a made three-pointer. That is across-the-board effort from the Charlotte Hornets. It's allowing them to out-rebound better teams, and it is keeping them in games that they probably had no business being in, like this Raptors game, where they gave up 23 points off of turnovers. How do the Hornets win a game against the Toronto Raptors? 42 wins for the Toronto Raptors this season. How do they get a win over a team when they give up 23 points off of turnovers? You do that by playing stellar defense, trying hard, and keeping that team off the boards. And they did that. The Toronto Raptors shot less than 35% from the field and less than 24% from beyond the arc. You fast forward to Sunday in that Milwaukee Bucks game, and the Milwaukee Bucks shot just 40% from the field, and they shot under 23% from beyond the arc once again, and that was on 31 attempts. We style of offense, right? Have Giannis penetrate and then kick out to shooters, and he's gotten a lot of assists that, that way. He's been very good this season. He's going to win the MVP probably over James Harden. It'll be the second time. But even with that offensive juggernaut that Milwaukee has proven to be this season, the Hornets played very good defense against both of these teams. And James Borrego, Doug, is calling it the best defense that he's seen in the last two years in his tenure with the Charlotte Hornets. It's the best defense they've played uh, in the last two years, and there's no question about it, according to James Borrego. One thing I want to get to real quickly before we go to the second segment, it's an individual performance of Cody Martin, and he was good in the last two games, Doug. Cody Martin is someone that I think a lot of people are starting to fall in love with um, what he's doing. We saw with Zach Lowe giving him some love in the article on the 10 things I like, 10 things I don't like. The headline for him was Cody Martin. If, if Cody Martin can shoot dot, dot, dot. Right. And then you start to read it a little bit. And it says that if Cody Martin can shoot, he can become a real rotation player. And he likes what you've seen from him so far. I think he has six assists in that game against the Toronto Raptors. You look at what he did against the Bucks. He plays 29 minutes, goes four of eight from the field. If Cody Martin can shoot, well, he did in this game. He shot two of five from beyond the arc. Give you five rebounds, a couple of assists, only one turnover. You got to love what you're seeing from Cody Martin, a second round pick helping you win against some of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Totally, and Cody Martin and his and his twin brother Caleb. I mean, this was the twin game. They didn't get the win, but they got the twin in this game because Cody and Caleb were playing well off of one another. But I think it was Cody that said after the game that it's not about them playing with one another. They just individually, they try really hard. I mean, they play with a ton of effort, and you've heard that from James Borrego all season, that he loves getting these guys minutes because he knows when you put them in the game – they are going to be a force somewhere on the floor. And it makes you wonder, Walker, like why 
why doesn't everyone do that? You know, why doesn't everyone play with that same intensity? And I think it's it takes a special kind of player, but they are they are building with those kind of players. We don't know if Cody and Caleb are going to be part of the future of the Charlotte Hornets by the time they get good again. But it's nice to have Cody, Caleb, and Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier and Jalen McDaniels, guys that are flying all over the floor and giving you maximum maximum effort. It makes the basketball fun to watch. I've never watched a game before where the team that I was rooting for scored 85 points and the opposing team didn't score 100 points and I was still entertained. Part of that was Giannis, but part of it was that you could just sense that Charlotte was out there trying to win a game, trying to knock off Goliath. And it was really fun to watch. And I, I want to shout out before we go to break too, PJ Washington and his defensive effort on Giannis. There were a few one-on-one opportunities that PJ had against Giannis and was just shutting him down, forcing the ball out of his hands at times. And I really appreciated PJ Washington's effort, despite him not playing well offensively, only one of eight from three in this one. I think he impacted the game in a positive way. Yeah, the Hornets in a game that they almost won against one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, they only shot 35% and they only shot 23% from the outside. So offensively awful in this game against Milwaukee, but still had a shot to win. And it was just Giannis being Giannis and, you know, being very good at basketball. That's why they won this game in the fourth quarter. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about some of the other things I think are noteworthy in that box score against Milwaukee. Uh, on the other side of the break, you're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, you know, I just I spend this some time away from the show, and you're still the same old Walker. All right, yeah, give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the God. noun I was going to get. A plural noun. This isn't hard. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, I'm sorry. I didn't notice the tie on the door handle. I know you still wanted to make love to this Toronto Raptors game. I walked in and stopped the lovemaking session. What other thoughts do you have on this win against the Toronto Raptors that you wanted to share? Oh, it was just a beautiful win. I mean, they, they didn't score 100 points in this one. They were held to under 100, but they went 13 of 30 from, from three, 43%. Uh, they were getting to the line, 25 free throw attempts. Now they only hit 18 of them. Uh, that's one thing. Devontae Graham has to improve his free throw shooting. I mean, that's not, we don't talk about that a lot. We talk a lot about his need to improve his ability to knock down twos, but he's got to knock down ones as well. He was four or six from the line. We've seen him miss, although he hit a, a, some big free throws in this one. Um, I, I think he's got to be more consistent at the line. Uh, but just, uh, you know, I'm just proud of the Hornets, man. I mean, you know, I know there are people out there, the tank stands, that would want them to lose this game. It was a tight game. Uh, that, you know, to improve your draft odds. But I just think it's big. And if you don't understand the impact and the increase in defense that you're seeing right now of the Charlotte Hornets, let's go to Sam Purley on Twitter, who says Hornets are fourth in the NBA in defensive rating, 104.3 points per possession allowed since February 10th. And they have a five and three record since then. Before that time, they ranked 28th 113.7 in this category from the start of the season until February 9th. And I just, I have to believe that it's inserting all of these players, the Martin twins, Jalen McDaniels, all of these guys who are just playing for their careers. I mean, they are playing for the rest of their lives and you can see what a difference that makes out on the court. 
Yeah, you look at Mitch Kupchak and the way that he's approached this draft process the last couple of years, and I, I think versatility has been the key word among all of the prospects that he's selected. And when you look at P.J. Washington, that was a first-round pick in this past NBA draft, and that was a guy that I think you could have a lot of flexibility at any position, right? I mean, I think we talked about the small ball five that he could play, then go to the four. We know about Miles Bridges. That's why he selected Miles Bridges because of his defensive versatility. It's what they talked about after that selection a couple of years ago. Then in the second round, Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniels, guys that can switch quite a bit. And James Borrego mentioned that they're switching and executing their switches a lot better in this defensive strategy that they've had the last couple of games. And so when you talk about the way that Mitch Kupchak had envisioned this team, I think it looked a lot like this defensively where they can switch across a bunch of different positions and make it really hard for teams offensively. There's just no way you thought you were going to experience the fruits of this labor so soon. It doesn't mean that this is going to continue to be the case. It won't. Man, this is what they had as far as their vision goes. It won't because so they do have versatility. They're starting to have versatility. I agree with you there. They are experiencing effort on the defensive end that they haven't seen all season. And, And I think that will continue throughout the rest of the season and keep this season from being apocalyptically bad. But what they don't have. And you can hear James Borrego sort of insinuate this through his comments. What they don't have is is true defensive physicality and length. And that's what that's what differentiates this Hornets team from really elite defensive teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, like the Boston Celtics, teams that can switch. They're versatile, but they're also lengthy. They can also bother passing lanes in a way that the Hornets can't because they're starting Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham together because Miles, for all his athleticism, is just not a very lengthy guy. So And P.J., I mean, it's kind of a problem with P.J. as well, um, at least in the physicality department. He is kind of lengthy. So that's what they have to figure out moving forward in terms of adding personnel that can truly make them a physically demanding team. Because if you're versatile and you have effort, but you don't have the physicality piece, it still makes your margin of error pretty small. You saw that against Milwaukee. They miss a few threes down the stretch, and Milwaukee was able to dominate them at the end of that game and win the game because they just don't have that commanding presence defensively. I talked with Tom Haverstrow last week and I wrote and I name drop raised an eyebrow. I guess I did. And it was on the wake up call. Um, I talked to him afterwards. We're great friends. Me and Habs. Yeah, Habs wow. Did you go get a beer with him? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Tom Haverstrow kids? and I talked about the Charlotte Hornets on the wake up call. And I was a little surprised at his take about the Hornets because he still given the take that they haven't hit in the draft all that well. And a lot of these guys are mediocre players and I get that. There's no doubt that they need a star. There's no doubt. We've talked about this. I want somebody that can create his own shot. I want someone that has the chance to become an offensive juggernaut like a Luka, like a John Morant, like a Zion Williamson. And we know some of the young stars in the game. They, they don't have that and they need that. But I like all of the puzzle pieces that they've put together so far. The big mistake that Mitch Kupchak made is trading Shea Gilgis-Alexander in exchange for Miles Bridges. Okay, I'm I'm comfortable saying that was a mistake. Miles Bridges could be a big pillar for this team. Who knows? But I'm comfortable saying that was a mistake. P.J. Washington was not a mistake. The two guys that you could make a case for to get drafted ahead of P.J., it's Brandon Clark and Kevin Porter Jr., and it's not like those guys have absolutely outperformed P.J. Washington. I'm cool, right? I'll, I'll stay right at home with P.J. and be just fine with the selection that they made in that spot. That's the mistake that Mitch Kupchak made. But for the most part, I mean, 
given the given the place they were right in these past drafts, I, I love what Mitch Kupchak has done putting together a lot of the puzzle pieces and we'll, we'll see what they can do with a top four, top five, six pick, whatever they absolutely need the star, but it, it doesn't mean that we can't feel good about this Hornets team. And I think maybe some people are kind of leaning that way. It, the work's not done. This is still going to take quite a bit of time. This doesn't mean that they're going to be pushing for the playoffs next season. They still have puzzle pieces to find, but the ones that are in place, I really like as far as putting together a rotation around a star now that's the hardest part now they need to go figure out the queen piece on the chessboard now we went from puzzle pieces to queen piece on the chessboard now you've you you have really evolved the game now i'll tell you i'm a i'm a big fan of chess not a huge puzzle guy if you know i'm so with you you go on a vacation trip there's always a puzzle It, it doesn't matter what kind of if you're at the beach or at the mountains wherever you are if you go to someone else's you know vacation home and rent it or whatever there is a puzzle there i'm not a huge fan of it because if you lose one piece game over like it's not fun anymore so i i just not a huge puzzle fan yeah, I'm a big chess fan. Also share your same sentiment as far as not being a fan of puzzles. Now, would you say, Doug, that the Hornets maybe have castled themselves with a nice base, but it doesn't mean that they're completely safe? I, to me, I think that they have a nice base so far, but they still need to go find the queen and protect the king. I don't know. I tried to make that an analogy. I don't think it really All right, You call my bluff. I have no idea how to play chess. Okay, it's Doug Branson and Walker. Huge checkers guy, though. We'll be back with you for one final segment on the Locked On Podcast Network. I think there's a bishop in there, maybe. This is Locked On Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast couple of updates surrounding the Charlotte Hornets in the past couple of days. The Joe Cheely experiment is over once again. The 10-day time for him is over. Now, with Joe Cheely being off of this roster, I was a little surprised that he was the guy that was called up anyway from the G League. Maybe it made sense because you have Kobe Simmons and Ray Spalding on two-way contracts. Those can be converted, but it didn't really make all that much sense to me because the way that Joe Cheely had performed in the G League this season, you look at his numbers, they weren't eye-popping by any measure. Um, But that experiment's over, at least this 10-day contract is. So he's off. Now, Doug, correct me if I'm wrong, but they need to have 14 contracts at a minimum on the roster. And so it does leave a spot open. I would imagine maybe that would be the time they can bring in a Kobe Simmons, convert a two-way contract into a 10-day or another kind of contract that they can keep on the roster. Yeah, so they do have to have 14 players under contract, and that doesn't count the two-way contracts, which is what Kobe Simmons and Ray Spaulding are currently under. And and you wonder if there is some financial incentive. If you know that Kobe Simmons and Ray Spaulding are not going to get many minutes, because right now you're looking at Jalen McDaniels, you're looking hard at Cody Martin and Caleb Martin. If you know those guys aren't going to get those minutes, then there may be some financial incentive to keep them under their two-way contracts and not convert it to the 10 days. So if the Hornets do, well, they, they have to make some kind of signing in order to meet that 14-player threshold. I don't know if it would surprise me very much if they do look again outside of Kobe Simmons and Ray Spaulding and maybe wait until closer to the end of the season when they can give one of those players a legitimate look 
Um, you know, so much of this Walker is sequencing, is figuring out, okay, who's who's a part of the rotation right now? Who do we want? I'm sure they're planning for later, a little bit later towards the end of the season when they do get even more experimental and look at other guys. So it's all just sequencing right now. It's, uh, you know, the only the only reflection on Joe Chile, I think, is that they know who Joe Chile is. They know who he isn't. And he's not part of the Hornets future moving forward. It'll be interesting to see if Malik Monk is a part of the Charlotte Hornets future moving forward. And we didn't get any, uh, can't even talk. We didn't get any information. So, well, we should tell the audience that you had to go solo dolo on the radio this morning. And that's, you know, it's people take for granted what Colin Cowherd does every day. It's tough to go on your own. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give you a break this one time. Honestly, I'd rather go solo on this show so I can just <laughs> spew my takes and you don't have to argue with me. No, no, that's Too actually quite bad. wrong. On the contrary, my friend, uh, you look at uh, Malik Monk as a guy that we haven't gotten any information regarding the indefinite suspension, Doug, and you think he's missing real valuable time while it's going to other prospects that the Hornets might be looking at. It's not just about the opportunity that Malik Monk is giving up, not being able to play it, a lot of minutes off the bench and continue what had been an impressive stretch for him and a, a consistent stretch for him, a maturing stretch for him. It's not only that, it's the fact that he's relinquishing this opportunity and it's going to players like Jalen McDaniels and like Caleb Martin and Cody Martin. And these are players that the Hornets organization, they now get a legitimate look at and these could be players that potentially replace Malik Monk someday. It's not just about the opportunity that you're giving up for yourself. In the NBA, there are only so many roster spots. In the NBA, someone is always around the corner looking for your job and looking for your minutes. And, and Malik Monk has relinquished those minutes uh, for, for whatever reason he was indefinitely suspended. And now he's missed two games. Uh, could he miss even more than five? Five would have been if a player uh, gets a third test for marijuana, they, they miss five games. We know that for a fact. Could he miss more than five on this indefinite suspension uh, for, for whatever reason? We don't know that yet, but it would just, to me, be devastating uh, to, to his future development and future role with the Charlotte Hornets. I'm worried about Malik Monk's future, and it's the indefinite suspension has quite a bit. Um, to do with it. it. It's because Malik Monk has had stretches of inconsistency with this team. And finally, when we started to see a, a prolonged stretch of Malik Monk performing really well with the Hornets and giving you a taste of what you expected him or hoped that he would be as a first round pick, it, the fact that that comes to a, a dead halt with this suspension, that's what scares me a little bit more than a Jalen McDaniels or a Kayla Martin, Cody Martin might scare you a little bit, right? If, if this was a race to the finish line of it's either or these one of these players, then Cody Martin would be the only scary part to me. I think that Jalen McDaniels and Kayla Martin, as the season winds down, have so much to do to catch up to a guy like Malik. And even with his inconsistent play in the first few years, I, I think that there's still quite a big gap. I don't put nearly as much stock into that as you do. Um, maybe Cody Martin, though, I can see it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, if, he, if Cody Martin starts consistently knocking down three-point opportunities, I don't think that Cody is in danger of being the uh, like big-time scorer that Malik has shown flashes of this season because of his ability to attack the rim. I'm not sure that we're ever going to get that out of Cody Martin. But what you get out of Cody 
is just all of these effort plays and the defensive ability to switch and, and you get size depending on what position you play him in. You can get some size there that you don't get with Malik Monk. So there are pros and cons. And when you're talking about a long-term rebuild, that to me, that's the big factor. You're looking for players that are just going to create a culture that are going to, you know, you want to define the Charlotte Hornets in this period, however long it takes, two, three seasons, four seasons to get back into playoff contention. You want as an organization to accumulate players that are going to allow your other younger players to grow within that organization and you create an identity. That's what Miami's done. I mean, if you're following the Miami model, Brooklyn does it to a certain extent as well. Although bringing in Kyrie was, uh, uh, you know, not, I don't think the, the best thing for, for their culture, but you want players like that. And, and so I think when you're talking about long-term rebuild, certain factors uh, start to outweigh other factors. And it's not just about the potential, the ceiling of a player. It's about what are we trying to establish here as an organization? It certainly seems like there's quite a bit of players that have leaped frogged. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, still down in Greensboro, Doug. In Oof. fact, he was down in Greensboro on the night of his bobblehead night. And it's a sweet bobblehead. I got one. It's on my Hornets bobblehead shelf. Looking great. Fantastic. Love it. But Dwayne Bacon was not there to experience his own bobblehead night. Now, this obviously doesn't have to do in direct reference with uh, the bobblehead. But, Doug, it is weird. It is somewhat awkward in a sense that you had this promotional night and the player in which you're promoting isn't with the squad. Instead, he's with the G League. Talk about dicey futures. Dwayne Bacon is certainly experiencing that right now. Well, I mean, I think that it is a reflection of the expectations around Dwayne Bacon and how much uh, we have gotten away from those expectations. I mean, he was a starter this season. It was reasonable to, to think that he would be a starter right now and that this bobblehead uh, would be given to fans on, on a night where he was featured as a starter. Uh, I don't know if any of us really expected him to you know, break out as a star player on this team, but certainly I didn't expect him to be in the G League, having requested to go to the G League because he wasn't getting any run right now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing all around. I wasn't a big fan of the bobblehead, by the way. I didn't like it. I, I, oh, man, it was awesome. Are you kidding yeah, me? I loved it. It's just it. like we get it. It's bacon, food. I mean, we've all made the jokes. Like, I just don't <laughs> understand why that has to be the first bobblehead. And also, we does the bacon it. look cooked or does it look raw? I think it looks like how cartoon bacon All right, is good. It looks to look. raw. It looks raw. So that's all. That's a whole thing too. To me, I mean, if I'm gonna be a, if I'm gonna be a food, I want the food to be properly cooked. We can't be messing around right now. There are viruses everywhere. I'm scared for everyone's future. We're talking about Malik Monk's future. I'm frightened for everyone's future. We gotta be. We gotta wash our hands. We gotta cook our food. And if our bobbleheads are gonna feature a food, the food needs to be cooked. Did you see the Miles Bridges bobblehead though? There was a media drop off and we also got the Miles Bridges bobblehead. It was the Sky Miles bobblehead, Doug. I will say I did like that one better. <laughs> I'm waiting for my check in the mail. Where's my, where are my royalties? Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And you can follow the show handle on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.